This is Wales. Bangor, Newport, Carmarthen, Rill, Bill's Wells, Norpeth, Aberdeer, Port Madog, Cogan, Regent, Aberavon, Wrexham, Merthyr, Neat. This is Wales. Thanks, Mike. It's nice to be here. It oh, really it's, is. It's great to talk to you. You must be over the moon with the reception that Buddy's back has had. Uh, over the moon. Uh, surprised. Uh, didn't really think that this would happen to me at my age. But there you go. I'll take it. It's uh, Yeah, it's been, well, the, the last two years have been really good. You know, rec- recording back, Buddy's back along with the other songs that I wrote on the album. Yeah, it's been really good. I'm quite happy. Now, I can remember you retiring from the music scene. What brought you back? Um, well, the, the reason for retiring first, maybe. Uh, it got to a point going out with the Hollies that, you know, my, my vocal cords were giving up. You know, 40 years of going on the stage and singing those really high notes, you know, something I had to give. Uh, so one of my uh, actual vocal cords sort of... Uh, gave up the ghost and said, I can't get that high anymore. But the other side of that is my wife got cancer for the second time. And, well, you know what that's like when, well, I don't know whether you know what that's like, but um, it does mean that there is a possibility that, you know, you may not live that long. You have to get in it twice. But I'm glad to say my wife is still with me uh, and uh, we'll be married next year, 60 years. So, We've been together a long time. But that's the way it goes, you know. I, I, that's why I retired. And it was actually, it was one of the best things I ever did. Give you time to, to sit back and think, I guess. I mean, I, I only recently realised that the Hollies have had the most chart hits of any British band ever. <laughs> but only three number ones. <laughs> ah, but, but what great songs they were. 
they were great songs and I enjoyed all the, you know every time going into the studio it's always a, a new experience when you go in with a new song and there's always that trip edition of, of thinking that this might not make it you know and and they did for for a long long time you know right up until 1974 uh was air that I breathe was the the, the last hit we had until uh he ain't heavy reoccurred in, uh, I think it was 1989, and that made number one. So, you know, it, the things happen without you expecting them to jump out, and, and that one did. So, I mean, it's really a good song, He Ain't Heavy. I'm just so glad that I, that I was able to sing that, you know, and uh, with the rest of the guys around me.
and that was a bit of a worry doing that because it was completely out of our out of our little doubt board section that we were quite happy in. But it surprised everybody. And, you know, with the lyrics like that, you know, it, it's a really spiritual and uplifting song for people. I hope, I hope that sort of thing got through to everybody anyway, because, you know, it, it, it's, it, I mean, the guys who wrote it, Bobby Scott and Bobby Russell, I don't know where they got the idea to put that together, but there, I think there's a story about uh, Boys Town in America, which is an orphanage for young, for young guys, I think. And when they left, they were given a ring, and on the ring was an emblem of a of a boy carrying his brother. And on the ring, it says, um, "He ain't heavy, Lord. He's my brother." So that's the that's the what I got what I got it from. We're doing these doing these interviews. There seems to be other ideas of where he came from. So I'm, I hope that I'm putting everything everybody right and saying that I I've got the right. It's right. What I'm telling you is right. Hey, I, I love I love your story best. When you were growing up in in Salford uh, and you formed the Hollies, what first took you into music? Who, who were you listening to? Uh, well, in my younger days, my mum used to take me to the pictures, as they called them, in back in the forties, to watch all these wonderful Hollywood musicals. And I I fell in love with Doris Day, uh, you know those sort of things. But Seven Brides to Seven Brothers. Uh, what, what, what else is there? Oh, there's no business like show business. And you get your gun, even that far back with Betty Hutton. And, uh, and one of my favorite singers was Howard Keel. I just thought he had a terrific voice. But watching all those, all those things, which as you know, when you're a young kid and you're seeing all these things jump out of you when you, and I just fell in love with that kind of music at that particular time because I really hadn't got together with Graham even though he never came to the pictures with me. I never understand why, but he didn't. And uh, and so, you know, it was only when Lonnie Donegan came on the scene that we actually started singing together properly. It has been known for us to sing in front of the school. Because uh, I met Graham when I was six, you know, so they stood us on two stools and we sang The Lord is My Shepherd. Surprisingly, Graham sang harmony. I don't know where he came from, but that was the, that was our first important gig in front of the school growing up I, I guess buddy holly came along there which is the inspiration for the new single well buddy holly came along with the rest of the rock and roll people you know but he caught our imagination because you know when that first time we saw him on telly with his black suit and his his, his stratocaster and, and his and his glasses you know and his music was was absolutely fantastic and and luckily enough for us that the chords that he plays on most of his stuff, which is usually is about five chords, but you can get away before, and were the same chords that we were playing with when we did Lonnie Donegan's song because they were th- they were the same three chords. So it was easy to do a transition from skiffle to rock and roll, you know. So yeah, it, it was it was just it just came out of nowhere and bang. You know, that'll be the day, all those rave on, you know, it, it, uh, endless, a guy in his, in his years of three years doing all that body of work and uh, a tragic, a tragic shame that he in the plane crash really was. It was a sad day. And then in 1962, you and Graham formed the Hollies. Yeah, well, we did, uh, but we didn't, we'd been in different groups uh, uh, from at the age of, I think it must have been about 16 or 17. You know, uh, we, people used to be attracted to us because Graham and I, uh, we were going out as the, not the Everly Brothers, but we were called Ricky and Dan Young. And we went out singing Buddy Holly, uh, you know, all, sort of rock and roll songs that two guys with two guitar, guitars can do until this guy called Pete Bocking came along. And, uh, he, he said to us after we'd just done a gig, he said, you need a guitarist. And we more or less said, well, no, we don't really, you know, because we're quite happy where we are. He says, yeah, but you're, the songs that you're singing are missing the solos. You're not doing any guitar solos in any of them. Because we couldn't, you know. <laughs> so we set up, went to Graham's flat and he, he came along. And, uh, when he came in, he had this flat case and he opened it and there was a, there was a Stratocaster there. <laughs> and we went, oh, wow. You know, but then we said to him, "Okay, what you got to do is just do the the you know the instrumentals and the solos are the type of songs that we that we do." 
And he just played every single one when we asked him to do like Gene Vincent, Eddie Cochran, you know, the, the Every Brothers and all that. He had it all down. And, and we said, OK, we've got a guitarist. And then he said, well, you do need a drummer as well. So, you know, so those two guys going out, maybe earning just slightly a little bit of money because we didn't do it for the money. But, you know, we had to pay bus fare to get there to the gigs. You know, we had to get home in taxis. We didn't actually do it for the money, but it was the, it was when, when you go to four people, you need a van. <laughs> you know, we used to go on the bus. So then it got, it, it got difficult with uh, transporting stuff. But we met, we met these two guys that we, you know, we, we became very good friends and we formed a group uh, called the Foremost, uh, Four Tones, sorry, the Four Tones. And then we went with another group called the Deltas and then we went with another group. And then and all of a sudden we came together with four guys. Uh, there was, we called him Vic Steele. He was the guitarist for us then. Uh, there was, uh, who was it? Uh, the bass player was, hang on at that particular time, Eric Haydock. And then we had, uh, Don Rathbone on drums, me and Graham. And, uh, and that was it. Five guys went to a, a club called the Oasis, which is in Manchester. And it's one of the places that everybody wanted to play at. Like, it, like the, uh, the, 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 the cabin in Liverpool. It was like on the same sort of power, but full of sort of Mancunian groups. But we used to play the, uh, the cabin because they really loved us there but um when we were going to go on we hadn't really named anybody for the group and the guy says well what am i going to call you tonight because he knew we'd been in several bands and that and the strange thing is everybody takes the uh they say that everybody said the holliest but i'm sure it was me <laughs> i said call us the holliest for tonight and that's how we started as the hollies Tell me where you live. 
you, you mentioned playing Everly Brothers songs and, and, and some cover versions. How did you transition from playing cover versions to writing original songs? Well, Graham and I were always writing at the beginning, you know, because, you know, we felt as if we were okay. Uh, but when we went into the studio uh, with Ron Richards, who became our recording manager, we played him our stuff. And he says, well, that's really good, but it doesn't sound to me as if they should be singles. Uh, so we became a B-side writers, <laughs> which was okay, you know, we, because when you when you're in the business to start off with, you know, and you're writing, and somebody who is superior than you tells you that you're not writing the right sort of stuff, you believe these guys, you know. Uh, but later on, we got to write a song called "We're Through," and that became our first our first hit into the top five, I think. And so that gave us the you know saying, okay, we can do it. Take a pride in making me blue I'm telling you, my friend It's got to be the end with you I told you time and time again You told me you was just a friend I can leave you alone Cause I'm you from the start Keep me tearing me apart sooner or for you I'm telling you my friend it's got to be the end with you with you with you but we weren't this kind of guy that would shy away from other people's songs you know when we did hear a song sent in by somebody or Tony would go out to a publishers and bring back songs that we would record like I Can't Let Go and, and things like that. Other songs which are really, were really good songs, Just One Look. And, and the earliest stuff was like Coasters, you know, that stuff like Stay and Searching. But when we got, when we got to start writing stuff, then we, we, we got to be serious about uh, what albums we, we put out. Um, and I think for certain because was probably the first album they wrote all the songs on. I'm not too sure about that, but but that was a great album, uh, great cover on that by uh, Steets, I think his name is. It's a photographer on that. Yeah, he took us round the Greenwich Village doing shots and things like that. The only thing I didn't like about that cover is that when they came out, I had a green face for some unknown reason. But yeah, we got into writing for ourselves, but. We still did other songs that, that came to us. You know, when Graham when Graham left, what Graham took away from him was his was his harmonies to the type of songs that we were recording. And the type of songs that we were recording at the latter end of the era before Graham left, he he really wasn't very serious in thinking that that was the way that he wanted his life to go with the Hollies. And um, and he did uh, make it his plan to leave at a certain kind when he when he actually heard something else that he wanted to join. So when he did that, Graham led the the, the Hollies changed just slightly, you know, because then Terry Sylvesti came in, who, who I became great pals with, and and he was just like Graham in his in his 
in his feel, you know, because I would start singing with Graham with, with the song that we'd just written. And Graham would just fall into the harmony just straight away. We never had to rehearse. We only had to rehearse when Tony joined. <laughs> and he uh, <laughs> got it in the end and it, and it came, it came, it became a sound, you know, but when Terry took over from Graham, we were, I think the music that we did changed into a, like a more serious type of, of rock and roll, you know, like Gasoline Now You Bread and, uh, and, th- and then the Long Cool Woman. Uh, and before, you know, then we did well before that was He and Heavy and The Air That I Breathe, you know, and so we got a series of hits without Graham, uh, of which he did say once, and how dare they get two number one hits when, when I left? I should have done that before. And you know, so, so it's only banter, isn't it? But that's just the way it was. You remain friends throughout all of this. And as you said, the sound of the Hollies did slightly change. Did you ever think when he left that that was it for the Hollies? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't forget that I didn't know he was going to leave. 
uh, until somebody stopped me in the street and said, you know, Graham's forming a band. <laughs> well, you know, when you've known a kid from six year old and you're, you're now 20, whatever it is, and all of a sudden you've sung with him for most of your life and, and without saying anything, was going to leave and uh, join two guys. I don't know, you know, they were just random guys, you know, you know, when you, David Crosby and Steve Stills, you know, but, but, you know, we did pal out with those guys in Los Angeles when we went over there. So we, I was friends with the same people that Graham was uh, uh, going, going about with, but he was more going into other, other people's recording studios, you know, whereas when you're in Los Angeles, you know, you sit by a pool and you wait until you're doing your gig. That, that was my, that, that's what I did. You know, I thought I'm going to do a gig tonight, so I'll get some rest. And he developed a relationship that, that he loved. And wanted to go. So when he did go, I said to myself, well, this might be the end of the Hollies. And uh, so I don't, what would I do if it did end? But I picked myself when I says, hey, you're the lead singer of the Hollies. You know, all you have to do is get someone who can sing harmony. And as I said before, Terry came along. So after Terry, I mean, I was devastated when Graham left. I must say, I hated him. You know, I didn't want to hear his music. Whenever he came on the radio, I wouldn't listen to it. You know, it, it, it was a resentment that, that was that, that I took along with me for quite a, for quite a while, actually. But when we got when we got to number two and number two again, and we, we kept getting into the top ten, I think the resentment sort of went down and down and down and down until it got to a place and said, "Oh, and yeah, who great, who's Brian? Oh, him, yeah, he was, he's the girl I used to sing with." But no, we've, we've, we, we've had a, a relationship from when he left. There was a good many years in between where we didn't meet, not purposely. It's just I never got into the sphere of where he was at any time, you know. He did come back once, and I think it was 1984, and uh, we were doing an album, and we had a hit called, uh, I think it was one of these clap hand holidays, which, you know, everybody was doing that clap thing, you know, in those days. And Tony and Bobby had put one together, and he went in the charts. So we had to do Top of the Pops. And when you do Top of the Pops, you have to have all the original guys that are on the record. So there we were on Top of the Pops, you know, with uh, with with Graham, because we had to ask him to come over. And he said, yeah, send me two tickets, I'll come over. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so there we were on stage doing that. And we, we were going back to the studio. And Graham came back to the studio with us. And he was listening to what we, what we were doing. And he said, oh, he said, this sounds really great. I'd, I'd like to get involved in this. What I wanted to say was, Graham, you left the band in 1968, and we really don't need you at the point that, that in this where we are now. We're doing very well without you, thank you very much. But but uh, Tony and Bobby thought it was a great idea to do it. So I think that's when Graham realised that I'd still got a little bit resent within me to say, actually, you know, really, I don't think this is a good thing. I didn't actually say that to his face, but I did say that to Bobby and Tony, you know, that I'm not really up for this, but I was overridden. And we ended up being in Los Angeles, finished finishing the album that we were doing with Graham in a recording at, uh, in Los Angeles. But it was finished and we toured. And we, I got through the tour and everything like that. And then I went home and then Graham was out of my life again.
it's those sort of things that happen. But we, you know, we treated each other with respect when we used to meet. You know, getting to where where it was uh, after I left, and uh, Graham rang me up and he said we're going to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I said, oh, that's nice. Uh, do we get a statue? Is, that, is, it, is it like that? I mean, I knew about Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I never thought in you know, my whole life that I was going to be have the opportunity to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I said, well, you know, you've got my address. Just send the... said, no. So you've got to come over and you've got to sing. And uh, we're going to do Long Cool Woman, Bus Stop and Carry Ann. I said, hang on. I said, I haven't sung for... 10 years I haven't sung. I didn't, I'd never sung again after that. Not even in the bathroom, you know, not anything. I just forgot the whole thing. And he said, well, he said, Tony and Bobby are, are not doing it because um, they've, they've got a gig somewhere. He said, well, which he said, I feel very strange to have something offered to you like this and you, 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 you know, you won't turn uh, playing in, play where playing where like you did in, in the old days, you know. No, he said, I'm very surprised the boys are not doing it. So I said, well, the way that I feel now, I think I'll let you down. So, you know, he said, don't worry about it. He said, just get over it and we'll have a great time. Getting there with my wife and I took my son, Toby, uh, just to give me a little bit of reassurance <laughs> and went into the Waldorf Hotel and up to the ballroom where they were they were holding it. And when I walked in, everybody clapped and said, hey, Alan Clark has just entered the burning, you know, like all Americans do. And then I met the Paul Schaefer with the band and they had his band there and two other guys that I, that I didn't know. And I said, well, okay. He said, well, great. Graham said, we're going to do bus stop. And he says, and these two guys are going to help out, you know, just in case it gives you a little bit of confidence. That didn't help me in any way whatsoever, you know. <laughs> but then he said, you know, he said, you know, you've, what you've got, you've got Pat Monaghan, Adam Levine, that's him. And they, you know, one was from Maroon 5, who I'd never heard of, and one was from Train, because they were at their early days, you know. And I said, well, okay. And then, then he started with Bus Stop, and it went great. For someone, no reason, I just, I just opened my mouth, and I was able to get Bus Stop out. So I thought, oh, well, I'm quite enjoying this. My son put his thumbs up. If he had done that, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'd have done, you know. Under my umbrella All that summer 
but then we got into Long Cool Woman and the, the two guitar players in, in the band didn't know how to do the, the intro, which is very, very difficult. You know, it's not, it's not really. It's something that just came to me and I played it and that was it. And then they said, well, no, we can't do, you have to show us that and do the intro. So I said, well, okay. So I played it and they, they said, wait a minute, go back. It's that one, that one there. Well, how do you do that? And I'm thinking, these two people are actually really professional guitar players and they don't know how to do my song. <laughs> well, anyway, there was a part in it when I, I played the, 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 the one string twice by just padding it and then clicking it. And, and that, that's how I did it. But no, it was only a while after, you know, the people just sussed it. That's what I did. So they were quite happy. First of all, they said, oh, well, that's easy. You know, okay, it's only easy when you know how to do it. And the, the show went it went great. All the people there, you know, the, I had a fabulous time. I'll always remember it. And then I got my statue to bring home and put on my mental piece. And then I forgot all about it and just got on with my life. about Graham leaving the band but of course yeah. you did as well to pursue a solo career I mean the new album is your ninth solo album I believe is it I've not, I've not really counted uh, <laughs> it's only three three different eras of my life really when I left the well I didn't leave the Hollies I mean I've said this before I said because I I wanted to I was writing with other people you know I, I wrote Long Cool Woman with, with Roger Cook and uh, and I was writing with some other people that I really got on well with. And I thought, well, you know, all these songs, maybe I can put them on an album for myself. 
So I did approach the boys and said, that's what I wanted to do. And I think that there may have been, I don't really know what they thought, but it had to be that if I was following the same sort of path that Graham did, well, you know, I didn't have David Crosby and Stephen Stills to go to. You know, I had myself, you know, that was it. I wasn't going to form a band. And I said, well, well, what do you think? They said, no, we don't think we want you to do it. If you do it, you would have to leave the group and get someone else to replace you. I don't know whether they thought that I would say, oh, well, if that's what it's going to do, I'll stay with the homies. I said, no, I've got all these songs and I want to do them. I want to get them out of my out of my system. So I said, OK, I'm, I'm leaving. So they didn't really give me, you know, I wouldn't call that a 50-50 chance because they must have known that I was going to do it. Because, you know, I mean, I'm that kind of guy. If I want to do something, I'll do it. So I left uh, not wanting to. I had a three-year uh, gap where I did about three albums, three or four albums, which I thoroughly enjoyed playing with other musicians in a, in a stress, no, no stress, you know, just doing what you wanted to do. And uh, they got recognized as being really, you know, really good albums. But, you know, they didn't they didn't sort of rock it to number one straight away. I, I never expected that would happen anyway. Uh, then Tony came and said, look, you know, will, you, will you rejoin? And, and I said to him, I didn't want to leave in the first place. So I could have done two things. Yeah. I could have gone to America with them when, when uh, Lonka Womb came number two. And I could actually d- go out and tour America with that one song would have made the Hollies a much bigger band in America than going out there with a Swedish guy, you know, and not, not getting the right sound on Long Cool Woman. It, it, for me, I wanted to do it, but whether they or somebody in the management says, no, no, we're going to do it ourselves. That was a little bit of a resentment then, you know, <laughs> that uh, I held for quite a long time as well, that not being able to do something. It, they would have, it would have made us monsters. You know, in America, it would have done. But there you go. That's the past and it's all over. So, you know, I, I stayed with them um, until 1999. N- now, we're, now we're doing something different. While in the 70s, I went over to record with Spence Proffer uh, for a label over there. And I did, I did some great stuff, I thought. I mean, they're being recognized now because I've come back that there are, you know, they're, they're, these are sort of, they've been hanging around in the background. You know, because I was doing a lot of stuff with Gary Benson at one time, who, who was a great writer as well, uh, and, and my own stuff. But it was like going with the flow. Again, you know, I, I got a hit single in America. It was, um, I'll be the stranger, uh, no, I will be the shadow in the street. And it got in, it got it in the month 40. And of course it was, oh, we're on our way now. But then it went straight out the next week. <laughs> I'd take things like that. Well, that, that's, that's what happens in life, you know, but, uh, and then, uh, you know, in, in, in that time, I was working with the Hollies as well. You know, then I did another solo album with a friend of mine, and uh, I thought that was one of the best albums that I'd done. And uh, and and then ni- 1999 came along, and I just I'd had enough, and, and that was it.
just over 60 years later, you're back with a brand new album. Yeah. How does it feel? Well, I was very surprised that I did Resurgence, which was the, <laughs> which was the other album, because I had no intention of doing anything like that. I think it was probably brought on with, uh, with some, well, getting cancer. And uh, I was, you know, it said like five years is the usual thing that you have to. I thought, well, what am I going to do? I think I'll, I'll write some poetry. So, you know, I, I, I scribbled some words down and things. And one really, really, I thought, oh, that's pretty good. I don't know where that came from. Uh, so I, I, I showed the, the poetry to other people and said, that's wonderful. But why don't you put it to music? I mean, you know, I, I don't play the guitar very well. I mean, I can do the intro to Monk or Woman. But, I, you know, don't give me any other solos because I can't do it. <laughs> and even now, my hands won't, you know, won't stretch to the, you know, with the string where you want to where you want to play. So when they said you put it to music, when they used to write with somebody else, they would always have the guitar. So if there was a, is there a line where I wanted to go, I would sing that line, you know, so therefore I always had to sort of write stuff with other people rather than on my own, you know. So here I was on my own, not actually thinking of what, how I do this. My son, again, Toby, who, who he, he does um, music and performing arts, and he's always been, he's, he's always loved Graham's music, you know, with uh, Crosby Stills, Nash and Young, and all the other guys that do all that West Coast stuff. And, and I agree with him, you know, I like, I love that stuff as well. And, and I'm, I think that I'm actually going over to sort of country and Western, but it's not called that now, isn't it? It's called Americana. I, I'm, I'm getting the feel of that in some of the stuff that I do, you know. So Toby says, well, there's a thing on your computer called Garage Band. He said, everyone's been using it. I use it. He said, it's very easy. I said, come up and show me. So he did. And, uh, he got two, he got two tracks up. He says, that one's your guitar and that's your vocal. He said, just play the guitar the way you want it and then do the vocal over that. And I said, well, I haven't got a microphone. He said, the microphone's in your computer. <laughs> you know, it was, it was as bad as that. It really was. And I think it must have taken me about three weeks. Uh, after trying to do it and losing it and not knowing how to bring it back because it wiped itself, you know, halfway through it, I played a wrong note and I, I didn't think you could actually, you could cut it and then just drop in there and do it again. I mean, this is all new to me, but, but then I got to the point where I'd, I'd finished a song and, uh, and I called it Journey of Regret and I played it to him. They said, Oh, he said, that's really good. Now you want it, you want, you want to do it more professionally, you know, get so what I did, I got, I got my old friend. Francis Haynes, who used to be with the Hollies in the 80s, and he is a brilliant producer, and a, a, he plays piano like you. He was classically trained, you know, so he's got his piano there, and, and he can, he's a wizard. You know, so I invite him up to the house, and I, and I played him a couple of things, and he said, well, he said, they're a bit rough at the edge. I said, I know they are. I said, but I'm not you, you know. What do you think? Is that, can this be, you know, can it be saved? And he said, well, yes, we could work on that. So without thinking of taking it anywhere, I went down to his studio three times a week, drove into London and then back again. And I thought, I mean, you've done this once before, you know, and it, it's really not what I wanted to do. Driving down to London on the M1, not knowing whether you're going to take three hours or two hours to get there. And then I have to come all the way back again. But when I got into the studio with them and we worked on the songs, uh, they, they got to a point of thought, they, oh, yeah, these sounds really, really good. Right. What I did, uh, while I was doing that, I was sending it to a friend of mine in America called Saul Davis. Uh, his wife is Carla Olson, who's got a group called the Tech Stones. And I've been friends of theirs for about 25, nearly 30 years. And uh, when I gave up the Hollies, they, they more or less said to me, you must do a solo album. I said, no, I finished. I said, I'm not doing it. Don't, go away. Don't ask me to. And they used to send me songs. And I liked the songs. But I still didn't have the interest of actually getting back into all that, having to do this and having to do that. Because, you know, I, got, I had a great life. I've got a great life. I didn't re really want to go back on the road or, or things like that. So and I think it was unbeknown to me that he actually played it to a lot of people. And uh, there was one guy that really liked it, Hartwig Masuk, who was the CEO of BMG. And he he rang me up and I nearly said, how do you get my phone number? I thought, no, 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 this is, this is an important guy. And he said, come down and have lunch with me. You know, we'll have to talk about your, your album. I said, what album? And he said, well, I want to release your album. So, you know, it was one of those things it, that happened, that happened, that happened. And all of a sudden I've got a, you know, I've got a 10 year contract for one album and making it, you know, was like, 
My wife did the, the cover because she's a sculptor. Um, I gave the design to them for everything to put it out because I, I was more excited doing that than doing the music. But you know, and the album came out, and and being, that was it. I mean, it, all the everybody liked it. <laughs> I thought, oh, great, lovely. Oh, well, that's it. You know, that's fine. And it, it did everything that the album's supposed to do. And we, and we with COVID was was around, you know, and that all that was happening. And but I never stopped writing, see, because now I'm enjoying writing songs because now I know what to do, and uh, and and I really enjoy it. And uh, so I I did get quite a few songs together. I didn't sort of get in touch with Graham, but it was always in the back of our minds that we were going to do something someday together, so that we actually filled the circle. I saw him quite a lot when we met a, a, a mutual friend of ours down in London, and that used to happen about twice a year when Graham was over. They're doing gigs and that. I was always thinking, well, should I? No, 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 I won't bring it up now. Then I was given, uh, somebody wanted me to give Graham uh, an award, a Lifetime's Achievement Award for Amer- belonging to the Americana, whatever that is, system. And, um, and but you since six months, so we've got to keep it a secret. Well, the six months went over and um, I went down to the, the theatre and uh, they, they put me in a, in a box. I mean, I don't mean a cardboard box. I mean, <laughs> they put me in a box uh, so that no one could see I was there. And I thought, well, no one's going to know who I am anyway. He says, yeah, but the, the only person that's going to know you is Graham. So we don't want him to see you there. When it was my my turn to go down, I went to the backstage and uh, and then they announced me and I walked in. And then I had to do a thing where you know, I talk about Graham and he and he came up and he was complete. He didn't know what to say. And he put his arms around me and he said, this is great. He said, you know, you should do this more often. So it was a, it was a joyous meeting and uh, and we did keep in touch. And I took the, this was the resurgence. I took resurgence down for him to play, which he liked, uh, told me which single to release, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, well, maybe we can do something. He said, I'd like to do that. But, uh, you know, the commitments had to be done and things like that. So I thought, well, I'll write another song and I'll write it with me and him in mind. And I, I wrote this song called I'll Never Forget, which was in my mind. All these things that we wanted to do together could only be done at a certain time. And that might not happen. Uh, and maybe the songs that we write together, can we write them together? No, we are well, whatever. And then will people, when we put it out, want it? Will it sound good? So it was all about the ifs and nots and maybes, a song. You know, here we are finding ourselves in a peculiar situation and, and so not knowing what would happen if we, if we did it. And Graham liked it. He says, okay, let's do it. So that was when we really started the, the song on that, on that one. And, uh, and Graham, uh, halfway through, I mean, when he's putting his harmonies on it and I thought, that's it. That's where I want to be with you. It was like me saying to myself, there's Graham. That's the guy that I used to know, you know, with his harmonies, with me making that sound, not with him making, with David. Unfortunately, David's gone. You know, I thought David was brilliant. And I thought Stephen Stills even more brilliant, you know. And we, halfway through, he said, I think this should be your solo album, Alan. He says, because I'm enjoying putting the harmonies on. And it is re- actually creating that sound that we made all those years ago. And and this is probably what the, the people w- would like to hear from us both doing. And I said, well, you've got to write one. <laughs> he said, OK. And he came up with Buddy's Back, you know, which was, which is the type of song that Graham would have written in, uh, you know, for that type of, it's, I think it's about two and a half minutes long. And it tells a story of a lifetime virtually, you know, and, and it's, it's what records used to be. In the old days, when they were, you couldn't have one on on the radio. It's more than two and a half minutes long, and and, and it, it sounds. I think it sounds great. People fall in, fell in love with it, and, and they had to come out as the had to come out as a single, and it's doing it's doing very very well. And I just can't wait for one of mine to come out now with his with his, with his vocal on. And I've got ten of them, you know, so I've got plenty of time.
created a sound that we sang as one. But it hardly was who we love, right from the heart. His music is still around, believe me, but it's back. Listen today to our old soundtrack